I'm going to read from the outline, um, but you can also find it in your Bible that's in the pew as well, and it's on page 681, if you'd like to look there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Uh, I'm talking uh, about the story of Christmas from Matthew chapter 1. It's in the front of your bulletin here if you want to follow on with me and also a space there for you to take notes. There's nothing quite like Christmas to show up a person's ability to plan. <laughs> Whether it's the planning of Christmas gifts to the time planning Christmas lunch Nothing shows up our planning like Christmas Day. I bet you know someone on both sides of the spectrum. What will you eat today? I know some people who were stewing fruit back in July. Yes, ready for the Christmas cake. Others have their 18-person setting laid out already. Right down to the crackers, the matching napkins... And even those little metal things that you put on the bottom of the glass that for some reason you don't need for the rest of the year, but today you need them. And I also know people, though, who are currently hoping that there's a service station open today because they're wondering if they have enough eggs. <laughs> Fast food restaurants are also open today. Why? It's not just on the freeway either. Presumably, some people have not organised enough food and will need nuggets and fries just to top them up. <laughs> and presents. When did you sort out presents? I can think of one particularly good planner who <laughs> usually creates a list months out and uh, has gifts to spare in case someone turns up unexpectedly on the other hand, I remember the time I went to see my dad on Christmas Day. Christmas is not a big thing for dad. He opened the door and I said, Merry Christmas. And I handed him a wrapped present. And both arms for a hug. Oh, he said as he came in for the hug, it's Christmas. <laughs> and he proceeded to go back into his flat and unplug his record player from his stereo system, wrap it up in the cable and give it to me. Merry Christmas, Ben, he said. Nothing shows up our planning like 
Christmas. And that first Christmas included a few surprises too that give us cause for thought as we think about the level of planning that went into that first Christmas. We're looking at Matthew chapter 1 today from verse 18, which starts, The birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. You know something else that shows up a person's ability to plan? Pregnancy. I was speaking to a young woman a couple of weeks back who told me that she was looking forward to having her child when she was 25. She was 23. So there seems to be a level of planning that is going into that, uh, that process. Contrast that with Mary in our passage today for whom pregnancy comes as a complete surprise. Have a look at verse 18. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. She was found to be pregnant. As far as Mary was concerned, this pregnancy was unplanned. And in verse 19, certainly unplanned too from Joseph's perspective, because Joseph found out when she told him. Not just unplanned, but unknown. Uh, This baby was not Joseph's. He and Mary aren't living together yet, not sleeping together. They're only engaged. This discovery catches Mary and Joseph by complete surprise because in the culture of the time, engagement meant fully committed. There was no one else on the scene. Basically, you were already husband and wife without the living together, without the sleeping together. That came after the wedding. Engagement was so binding that in order to break up, you had to go to court to get a divorce. And that's what Joseph's considering in our story. Because if Mary was pregnant, it was natural to presume she'd been unfaithful. As a righteous man, he had two options. He had every right to out Mary as an adulteress, disgracing her in the public. But instead, he's considering and planning to go with the more gracious option, just ending the engagement with a divorce and allowing her to return to live with her parents. But if the pregnancy appeared to be unplanned from Mary and Joseph's viewpoint, the true level of planning is shown here, verse 20, through the visit of an angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. There's been an actor behind the scenes of this unplanned, seemingly unplanned pregnancy. What was a surprise to Mary and Joseph turned out to be a planned act of the eternal God who the Bible tells us planned and created the world knowing exactly what would happen throughout history, including this pregnancy. How do I know God planned all this out? The first way we know is found in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That prophet that is spoken of here is the prophet Isaiah, 
who lived 800 years before the first Christmas. That is to say, about 800 years earlier, God told his messenger to announce the arrival of baby Jesus to a virgin that would be God with us. I don't know how long you spend planning your Christmas, but this verse shows us that God knew what he was going to do that first Christmas at least 800 years in advance. Actually, he'd been planning Christmas a lot longer than that. Our passage today comes from Matthew chapter 1. Before this passage, there is a long list of Jesus' family tree. Jesus, right back up to Abraham. That's back to the book of Genesis. That's more than a thousand years. That's a lot of planning. But in fact, the Bible tells us that God planned this even longer before that, before the beginning of time, before creation. He had planned what he was going to do. God is the master of Christmas planning. God was planning it all along. If you're familiar with theology, you'll know that we worship a three-in-one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father has planned this birth, has planned for this baby in Mary's womb. God the Holy Spirit has been sent to conceive this baby in Mary's womb, Where's God the Son? That's the most amazing part. God the Son is the baby in Mary's womb. You can see it in the name given by the prophet in verse 23. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with mankind. God, the creator of the universe and everything in it, dwelling as a human in his creation. God, who is infinite and timeless, entering the world at a specific place, at a specific time. God, who is formally praised as being clothed in majesty and clothed in honour, is now clothed in skin and armpits and nostrils and some first century version of a nappy. Could this really be part of God's plan? Yes. As announced centuries earlier that the virgin would be with child and that child would be known as God with humanity. And if you've followed me so far, the question you're asking is why? Why would the all-powerful, infinite God confine himself to the womb of a virgin in first century Palestine? The answer is given in the name of the baby. What's in a name? Nowadays, names don't bear that much resemblance to the people who bear the name. Uh, do you know people who have the surname Baker? Uh, you're not likely to go to them to buy bread. Uh, do you, I know people who have the surname Taylor, but it would be a little disrespectful if I went to them with my torn clothing expecting them to mend it. Uh, neither do I expect people to live up to their names if they are Smith, Cooper, Cartwright, nor Cull, nor King. But the baby in that first Christmas is given a name that is not like the name we have today. The baby's name 
is connected with his purpose. The baby's name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves. Wrapped up in cloth, placed in a manger in a backwater Middle East town is none other than the saviour of people. What seemed like an unplanned pregnancy is not just God's plan, it's the climax of God's plan to save people. Did you see what the angel said in verse 21? He will, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Save his people. How could a baby, how could Jesus save people? What, what do we even need saving from? Uh, we've looked at planning planning for Christmas dinner, planning for Christmas gifts, planning for pregnancy. But there's something even more important to plan for. It'll happen to everyone, and yet it can catch you by surprise. It's death. Death can be hard to plan for because we don't know when it'll come. But it's a far greater problem than really merely running out of milk or eggs on Christmas Day or having a a uh, person short on the Christmas gift list. Uh, because when death comes, the Bible says, after that comes judgment. How can we plan for that? Now, judgment is a heavy topic on Christmas Day, I get it. Wouldn't we rather think of Christmas dinner? That was a nice topic, Ben. And presents and, and Santa Claus. Maybe we need a Christmas carol to lighten the mood. <laughs> How about this one? You'd better watch out you'd better not cry you'd better not pout i'm telling you why <laughs> he's making a list he's checking it twice he's gonna find out who's naughty and nice santa claus is coming to town i'm not sure i like where this is going he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake he knows if you've been bad or good no no stop even our carols are predicting that our bad deeds are going to be found out. Uh, but Santa's not the judge. God is the judge. And on his list, you and I have fallen short. You might think you only have little faults. Sure. Well, that's like Mary saying she's only a little bit pregnant. Sin is like pregnancy. Either you have it in you or you don't. Big or small, our sins put us offside with God. Now, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he had in mind to separate because he thought she had been unfaithful. It turned out Mary hadn't been unfaithful, but you and I have been unfaithful, unfaithful to God. We have pursued fortune We've pursued our own way. We've rejected God as our rightful king. We've been unfaithful and so we deserve separation. Separation from the God of all eternity. We've been unfaithful. We deserve separation. And that separation won't be temporary either. It'll be separation from all that is good, all that is love, all that is light, 
all that is life. I'm pressing this point because it's only when we understand our unfaithfulness that we will see that we need a saviour. I said earlier that God is the master planner and it turns out he's even planned to save us. That saviour's name is Jesus. The Lord saves. We celebrate our saviour at Christmas, Jesus, because of what happened at Easter. At Easter, Jesus proved this prophecy to be true because he did what no one else could do. Jesus defeated death. He told his followers what he was going to do and then he did it. He willingly laid down his life in death and on the third day he took it back up again. No one could hold him back. He rose from the grave. He endured separation from God, the separation that we deserve. He endured the punishment that we have no plan to deal with. He endured the judgment that we, you and I, deserve. Jesus did just what the Christmas angel said he would. Jesus saves people from their sins. He is the saviour you and I need. Now, I'm presuming you all have plans for Christmas. Some of you will be heading out the door to that planned family gathering. I don't want to keep you, but I'm not done. Some of you will plan to exchange gifts, and I'll bet you're itching to get there. And some of you are planning now to go and get that small chips and a Coke. <laughs> now, that's fine with me, but whatever you might have planned today, there are bigger questions for you to consider and you've even got a day off to consider them. What's your plan for the coming judgment? What's your plan? What's your plan for dealing with sin? Because while you know, while you may not know when death and judgment is coming, the Bible warns you that death and judgment is coming. Take the time today to consider the Saviour, Jesus. Not just as the baby in the manger, but the Saviour we all need who died for us and conquered death at that. Heed the words of the carol about Jesus, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. What's your plan? Jesus is God's plan for you. Perhaps it's time to admit that it's the plan that you really need. Let's pray. Father, we make plans, but not like your plans. We make plans, but we don't really know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Lord, you know our lives, our hearts, our deepest secrets. Lord, you are so holy that we couldn't stand up if we were to be in your presence. And we need a saviour. And so we thank you today, Lord, for the reminder that Jesus is our saviour, that he saves people from their sins. And we commit this day to him. In Jesus' name. Amen.